We are going to begin a series today called Overflowing Wealth. And uh, we're going to look at some principles from God's Word about wealth. Okay, so we're going to do that. And today, specifically, I'm going to start the series on the principle of giving. And I'm just going to let you know, when I started this week preparing, my plan was I was going to give you the areas of giving God talks about all in one message so I could get it over with. It's like eating your broccoli first so you can get to the ice cream. But it didn't quite work that way. I only looked at one area of giving and realized, I'm going to have to do giving two or three weeks in a row. Don't worry, this is good, this is good. (laughs) But today we're just going to look at one area of giving. And the area of giving we're going to look at today is the tithe. Everybody say tithe. Okay, so we're going to look at what the scripture has to say about it, and it will be good. But let me give you two scriptures right now so you understand God wants you to prosper. God wants wealth to be available to you. So let me just give you those first, and then we'll continue. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers that it is this day. So who gives people power to get wealth? God. You know, sometimes in church people think wealth is a bad word. It's not. And uh, we'll take some more time on that in the next messages in the series. But also, of course, we see a verse in the New Testament, John 10, verse 10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Or as one version says, an abundant life, to have life more abundantly. So the Lord wants you and I to be blessed, to prosper for a reason, for his kingdom purpose. Think about it. Jesus asked us to be a light to the world. He's asked us to be generous. He's asked us to help the poor. He's asked us to take the gospel throughout the entire world. And guess what? To do that well takes finance, right? We are doing a finance course here. Uh, Pastor Bruce, our Connections Pastor, his wife Kim are leading it. And in the finance course, it's uh, a Dave Ramsey course, uh, but it's made for Canada. And Dave Ramsey is on one of the videos talking about the fact that many Christians are slaves uh, to money from all the debt they have or whatever the purpose is. And he says the problem is slaves aren't generous. They don't help anybody. They just live to survive. They're usually depressed. They're not somebody who's going to be encouraging or bringing life to anybody else. So you and I have to be beyond that. And we have to be in a place, I believe, where if God says, hey, I want you to help so-and-so, I want you to help this mission or help that person, we're like, this is good. I feel joy, not, oh, no. Where am I going to find $20? So I believe... God wants us at a different level. So that's why we're going into this. And today specifically, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about the tithe. But I also want to make a a statement about all these messages. There is more than one principle in Scripture about wealth. You can't uh, get in a better position in your wealth by practicing only one of the number that there are. Let me say it like this. I've heard people give messages about giving... And they make it almost seem like, boy, if you give something today, you're going to be wealthy by tomorrow. That's not how it works. Giving is only one principle 
of wealth in Scripture. There are a number of basic healthy principles. So if you're like, oh, this is, I'm going to get wealthy by tomorrow, I'm going to give something today, but you never go to work, you won't get wealthy. There's a biblical principle about working hard. Okay, so I just want to say that. Don't anybody think this is one of those messages to try to trick you or manipulate you into thinking you'll be rich by tomorrow if you give $1,000 or something. We're not going to do that. We're also not even going to uh, ask you to give or anything like that. We don't pass a plate if you know that. Okay, so I'm actually bringing this to you, believing that you're going to get a hold of something that God has said he will use to bless you and also is a blessing to his church. Okay, that was a long introduction, but you guys are with me. Okay, here we go. The tithe. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 8 is probably one of the verses you've heard on the tithe if you've been a Christian for a long time. And this is this. Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. So the tithe is obviously very important to the Lord. And by the way, tithe simply means 10%. Everybody say 10%. Okay, so it was important to him. Uh, he considered it robbing when it wasn't coming to him, but he also said, hey, I want to bless you abundantly when you're faithful and obedient. So if it's that important to the Lord, we should probably see what Scripture has to tell us. And so, whether you want to hear it or not, I'm going to tell you what Scripture has to say about the tithe. You guys didn't laugh at all at that. There's a couple of people like, oh, I should have slept in. Hey, this is good. This could change your life. This could change your finances. It really could. Honestly, this could change somebody's finances here today if they get this. All right? It's that important. So Leviticus 27 verse 30 is some uh, part where it talks about the 10%. It says, all the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. If a man wants at all to redeem any of his tithes, he shall add one-fifth to it. And concerning the tithe of the herd or the flock or whatever passes under the rod, the tenth one shall be holy to the Lord. Okay, so I'm going to give you some, what is the tithe? Where did it originate? Is it still a thing? I'm going to give you all that today. So you know already a tithe is 10%. Now you know that the tithe belongs to the Lord. It's already His. Okay, if you're a believer. So if you're visiting us today and you're not a Christian or you're really not so sure about this stuff, just hear it, take it in, learn some stuff about, oh, believers were asked to do this, okay? So please, don't anybody feel guilty or pressured. I want you to get something from this that will change your life. So it's 10%. It already belongs to the Lord. Deuteronomy 14.22, you must set aside a tithe of your crops, one-tenth of all your crops of your harvest each year. And then Proverbs 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. All right, it's 10%. It already belongs to Him. Now, this 10% that was given was used to honor and worship God 
really from the beginning of time. So it's not just an Old Testament law. It was something that happened way before the Old Testament law was ever written. But let me give you a couple of those verses so you understand. This is a Bible principle that is basically all throughout Scripture, not just a law thing. So the first Scripture, actually, that we read about somebody giving a portion of their first fruit is in Genesis chapter 4. Now, we're not told a percentage in here, but we are definitely given a clear idea that they gave a percentage of their harvest and of their animals. And it says, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. See, the firstborn lambs, the uh, harvest, it's the first fruits. We don't know for sure if it was 10%, but this is a principle from the very first family on earth. These were the sons of Adam and Eve. In other words, they understood this principle right from the beginning of time. The first portion goes to him. It belongs to him. And then it says the Lord accepted Abel and his gift. And some of you may know the rest of the story. We're not going to go into it today. I just want you to see that this principle was there from the beginning of time. Genesis chapter 14 and verse 18. It says, Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a priest of God most high, brought Abraham some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abraham with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. So he's blessing him with words. And blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So here's Abram giving tithe to a minister. It says that Melchizedek was a priest and a king. Okay, so he's giving back to God uh, the way that they obviously understood even before the law. One more scripture for you, Genesis 28, verse 20. Then Jacob made this vow. If God will indeed be with me and protect me on this journey, and if he will provide me with food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then the Lord will certainly be my God. And this memorial pillar I have set up will become a place of worshiping God, and I will present to God a tenth of everything he gives me. So he made a location. He had had a dream, a revelation from God. He saw a stairway to heaven. It was amazing. And Jacob says, you know what? I'm going to make this a place of worship, and I'm going to bring a tenth of everything he gives me to this place of worship. You see, my heart is to bring truth in love. It really is. The truth has to be spoken, but if we don't bring it in love, it's not going to be received, and then it's a waste of time. I think about that. When you bring some truth, you want somebody to grasp it because it's good for them. If you don't use love, it doesn't work. So before I go any further, I just want to say I love you all very much. Okay, now the rest could be tough. But anyways, here we go. <laughs> the tithe was given for the Levites, ministers of the Lord. It was for their needs to do the work of the Lord. And also, every third year, a portion of the tithe was for the poor. So I've told you it's 10%. It already belongs to God. It was a principle from the beginning of time. And what was it meant for? It was meant for the ministers, the Levites, for the work of the Lord, and every third year, a portion would go to the poor. And I'll give you some scripture on that. Numbers 18, 21. 
As for the tribe of Levi, your relatives, I will compensate them for their service in the tabernacle. Instead of an allotment of land, I will give them the tithes from the entire land of Israel. So the Levites were meant to have the tithes because they didn't have land. In those days, land was where your wealth came from. If you didn't have land, you had no way to survive. You couldn't grow crops or gardens. You couldn't raise animals. So here was their portion. And also in verse 26, it says that the priests were also to tithe 10% of what was given to them. So just in case you didn't know, the pastors here all tithe 10% of their income. So we also understand hey, that a blessing comes back to us and it's good. Now, part of the reason God asked for this tithe is for us to trust him, to never forget he's the one who brings everything in the first place. So he just says, hey, I'm going to bring to you 10% already belongs to me. Do you trust me? Can you give it to me right away? Do you trust me? That's a, a trust issue and a way that he can bless those who do. Here we go. Deuteronomy 14, 27. So more detail is given here concerning the tithe. And it talks a little bit about that part about the poor that I was saying. So I want to read that to you. Uh, verse 27. Do not neglect the Levites in your town, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. And at the end of every third year... Bring the entire tithe of that year's harvest stored in the nearest town. Give it to the Levites who will receive no allotment of land among you, as well as to foreigners living among you, orphans and widows in your town, so they can eat and be satisfied. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all your work. So as a church, uh, that's why we believe that missions are important. And one of our missions, if you will, as a church, we give to the uh, homeless Coalition, which looks after the MAP program. So we believe that that's important, and that's why portions go out. And then the other missions, that'll be at a different service. I'll tell you all about them again. So we understand the tithe was for the Levites, for doing ministry to the Lord, and eventually it would also help with the temple, but there were other offerings that were used for looking after the temple building. I don't know if we'll even get to that in this series, but just in case you're wondering. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 10 and verse 32 to 39, and I'm not going to read it all. I'll read a couple verses in a bit. But here, God's people, everybody say God's people. If you're a Christian, you're God's people, okay? We're God's people. Well, God's people at this time stopped obeying his word and stopped worshiping him. The temple and the city were destroyed and taken captive. They were temple was broken down, the walls were broken down in Jerusalem, and a, another nation now ruled over it, and anybody there was really just a slave. And Ezra comes back to the land, and he begins to build the temple, and he actually does get the temple built. Then Nehemiah shows up around that time and says, we need to build the walls, and Nehemiah says, we need to get things in order. We need to get things in order for this temple to function. Nehemiah was a little bit of a whipcracker kind of guy. Uh, he must have been a little bit of a manager. It says he was the wine bearer uh, for the king of the whole world at that time, but we get the feeling he was obviously a manager in that role. You can read it yourselves, and I do hope you guys will read some of this. I don't have time to read everything. Some of you would fall asleep if I tried, so I'm going to keep you awake, okay? But go ahead, read it yourself. It's some great stuff. 
but they had stopped obeying. Everything was destroyed. Now they're rebuilding, and Nehemiah says, okay, now let's get things in order so this temple can function. And in verse, uh, excuse me, in chapter 9, he tells the people, let's make a covenant to look after this temple. Okay, and chapter 10, he's actually making that covenant. So they are likely answering back what he's saying, covenanting to be faithful to God's temple. But let's read just a couple of the verses. So 35 of chapter 10. We promise to bring the first part of every harvest to the Lord's temple year after year, whether it be a crop from the soil or from the fruit trees. We agree to give God our oldest sons and the firstborn of our herds and flocks as prescribed in the law. So let me take a break. Prescribed in the law, they gave a financial portion for their sons that were firstborn to the Lord. Just in case anybody was wondering what that meant, prescribed to the law, they didn't sacrifice kids or anything like that. In our finance course, the, uh, the gentleman was saying, you need to get out of debt, whatever it takes. If you have to sell your firstborn, and it, he was joking. <laughs> no selling of kids ever, okay. But same with this. And then he said, we will present them to the priests who minister in the temple of our God. So they're speaking this covenant. They must be answering back. We promise to. We promise to. There was a large crowd. He's trying to set things back in order because they didn't know. You see, Jerusalem was destroyed and left in destruction for many, many years. And the people hadn't been taught. They just didn't know. So he's helping them to learn and to know again, hey, this is how it works. This is how God set it up. And verse 37, we will store the produce in the storerooms of the temple of our God. We will bring the best of our flour and other grain offerings, the best of our fruit, the best of our new wine and olive oil. And we promise to bring to the Levites a tenth of everything our land produces, for it is the Levites who collect the tithes in all our rural towns. And they finally finished the covenant, because I can't read the whole thing to you. Stay awake, stay with me. The final thing they say is, we promise together not to neglect the temple of God. What a promise. Now here's something I want you to understand as believers. Again, I'm speaking to believers a lot today. And I apologize if you're here for the first time and you've You're not really sure about salvation. This is definitely a message for believers. But again, it's a good one for anybody. Did you know that non-believers who practice biblical principles of wealth get wealthy? Did you know they say that the majority of, I believe it's billionaires, are generous givers before they become billionaires? Did you know that? So young people, if you're here and you think, one day I'd like to be wealthy, you're going to need to learn some principles. And giving is just one of them. So we promise together not to neglect the temple of our God. Why did Nehemiah say that? Nehemiah 13 and verse 10. I also realized that the portions for the Levites had not been given them. For each of the Levites and singers who did the work had gone back to his field. So I contended with the rulers and said, why is this house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. That was Nehemiah. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. 
What we see from Scripture, when God's house was looked after, the nation was blessed. When God's house was ignored, the nation was defeated. Because you see, a nation turning away from God, the first thing they turned away from was giving. The first thing they turned away from was worshiping in a corporate place of worship. And when God's people did that in Old Testament time, it was only a matter of time before the nation became failing. Now, maybe you're here today and you're like, well, God doesn't need my money. If he wants his church to do well, he'll do it. Well, according to Scripture, God put the temple and following the church for our good to fulfill kingdom purposes, but he gave it to us to look after. And Scripture very clearly shows when people didn't look after it, it was destroyed. And the nation fell after the church was destroyed. In other words, you better believe God wants his church to be healthy and alive, and he's asked you to do something about it. It is our responsibility. It is why, as Christian believers, if you believe your church's mission is important and your church is important, you give your tithe. Now, let me give you scripture, though, so you don't think I'm just making this up. We're talking about the tithe, about the fact that it's 10%. It belongs to God. It was for the ministers. And also, the tithe was to be given. Where was it to be given? It was to be given at the place the Lord chose for them, to corporately worship. And he very specifically says, don't just give it anywhere. Wow. Does anybody want to know where that verse is? There's actually a bunch of them. But I'm only giving you one because I want you to stay awake. Okay. All right. The tithe was to be given at the place the Lord chose for them to corporately worship. Deuteronomy 12, verse 11. You must bring everything I command you, your burnt offerings, your sacrifice, your tithes, your sacred offerings and your offerings to fulfill a vow to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. You must celebrate there in the presence of the Lord your God with your sons and daughters and all your servants. And remember to include the Levites who live in your towns, for they will receive no allotment of land among you. Be careful not to sacrifice your burnt offerings just anywhere you like. You may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. In other words, somewhere where you can go personally, corporately, and worship. There you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I command you. Okay, I'm just giving you one verse on that. You can trust me, there are more. They were told to do it at a place of corporate worship. The principle of tithing was from the beginning of time, it was definitely more defined in Moses' law with more detail to it, but it also continued after the law in the New Testament and even to our day. Jesus had something to say about tithing, by the way, in Luke chapter 11 and verse 42. It says, what sorrow awaits you Pharisees? Now he's kind of rebuking the Pharisees when he makes this statement. He says, you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore justice and the love of God. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So what did Jesus say about tithing? Should we do it? Yes. We understand Jesus said, hey, it's something we should continue. Now, he rebuked them for a reason. They were being so careful to measure it to the exact 10%, but they cared less about people. And he said, don't do that. Don't be that person who's like, 
Oh, look, I have some weeds growing. I better take a little portion and give it to the church. You know, whatever it is, they were measuring it to the max, but they no longer cared about people around them. And God doesn't want us to do that, okay? Uh, So that was why they were being rebuked. Now, we also see that it continued through the church times and church world that their giving was there to see the church grow. Now, initially, many of them gave more than 10%. Some of them decided to give it all. But you see, the thing about giving it all, they still would continue to work and make more, and they didn't negate the principle of tithe. That continued. Do you understand that? I remember hearing a fellow, well, actually, he wrote a book, and there was a time where he said God told him to give everything away, his house, everything. It happened three times in his life, and he did it. But he always still went to work and built up again and gave tithe. So giving all doesn't negate a principle in Scripture. And don't worry, I'm not asking anybody to give all. Somebody say, that would be crazy. Don't worry, that's only a God thing. And I actually, if you came and told me that, I'd say, I don't think so. Because that is rare. And it would be only for someone that really, really heard God. And... I don't want you sleeping here in a sleeping bag because you got rid of your house, okay? Don't do that, okay? So, <laughs> so I'm wrapping up already. I'm going to get you out of here early. Now, we've got a couple things we want to do yet in prayer. But uh, according to Scripture then, here's where it goes. According to Scripture, the tithe is 10% of your increase, okay? So for a business, that's your profit. Personally, that's your increase that comes to you. It belongs to the Lord already. It's given at a corporate place of worship where the Lord chooses for you to worship. It is to provide for the ministers and the work of the church, including helping the poor. That's what I get from Scripture after a lot of days of study, okay? That is what the tithe is. It began from the beginning of time. It continues up until today. Did you know that in the past generation... You would not have found a Christian who didn't believe in tithing. Did you know that? You know the reason why? The pastors taught about it really well. So I take responsibility for that. However, I read an article recently. Actually, it was by Dave Ramsey, but it was an article online. And he said that Christians today, somewhere in most churches, between 75% to 90% of Christians don't tithe. Ouch. Wow, I was shocked by that. And, and don't worry, I don't know what anybody gives here personally. So you're like, whew, that's good to know. So I'm not picking on anybody, but generally if that's a thing throughout a country, it's a thing probably in our church as well. And I believe it's a thing that causes you to lack in blessing and also can cause church to lack and not be able to do as much as they need to do. So I'm going to leave you with that. And I am going to ask you to take time and pray. And I'm going to pray for you as well. But we're going to believe that God gives you a really good understanding of this part of finance. Now, before I finish today, because I don't know everybody's situation and where they're at with God, i got to say this, church. The most ultimate giver of all time was Jesus. Jesus gave everything, including his life, and he did it for you and I. He did it not to look good, 
Now, to impress somebody, and please don't ever give here to try to impress the pastor. They don't tell me what you give anyway, so it's not going to work. So don't do that. You give because God's leading you, and you do it joyfully. So please don't do that. But Jesus didn't give to impress anybody. He didn't give because he was, oh, i got to follow every letter that's written here. He just gave it all because he loved, and he did it for you and I. He hung on a cross in our place for our sin because we couldn't pay that price. We couldn't make ourselves right with the Father. You see, Adam and Eve sinned, and sin came on all people generation after generation after generation. And then we come, and here we are. Our relationship with the Father is broken, but Jesus already paid a price for you and I to make it right. He said, I'm going to take it. I don't want a single person ending up in a place called hell because they couldn't pay the price. He said, I'll pay it, and I'll give it to whoever wants it. I will hand it to whoever wants it freely. Now that's a giver. And church, if you've never accepted that free gift of salvation, it is easy. It is simple. God's word is not complicated. He says it's this easy. If you believe on me and you call out to me, you will be saved. In Romans 10 verse 9, we read a scripture where he says, if you confess with your mouth, in other words, you say it, that you believe it in your heart, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. So at our church, as often as we can, we give opportunity simply by repeating a prayer that would say what's in our heart. And I believe God begins many great things. Did you know that last year, 72 people asked Christ to be their Savior and began that walk with Him? That is awesome. And today, it's your turn if you haven't done it yet. I want you to bow your heads right where you are. We're not going to embarrass anybody or point anybody out. But if today you've not done that and you want to make it real, or maybe you walked away from God and you want to say this and make it sure with Him, I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me, and I'm going to ask everybody, because again, we're not trying to embarrass or single anybody out. So please, repeat this prayer after me if you mean it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. I ask you now, forgive me of all my sin. Make me new. Use my life. I thank you now. I am saved. Amen.